Alrighty, first up on the football report, I'm joined by Mike Laval, managing editor for Last Word on College Football. Mike, uh, thanks for joining the show, and I uh, hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. Absolutely, it was filled with football, so it was uh, fantastic. Always a pleasure to join you, Phil. I always appreciate you coming on, and yes, it was uh, it, it was glorious. I think uh, Wednesday night, it, I felt like a little kid on Christmas Eve, just couldn't wait for the day to get over with the next day, because I knew college football was being played. Uh, no better time of the year when football when it's football season. I couldn't agree more. You know, in this past weekend, I, I've got to say, the SEC really had a, a good weekend, I think. I mean, I know Tennessee was the only team that did lose from the, the SEC over the weekend. Just, you know, overall, what was your thoughts on the weekend the SEC had? Yeah, you, you can't take too much from one weekend. It's like you can't take too much from one game. But certainly, uh, certainly you got to think the SEC had a banner weekend. 13 out of 14 teams win. Uh, some of those games were against inferior opponents. But if you look across the board, some big-time wins there. Auburn goes in uh, and beats uh, the, the favorite for the Pac-12. They beat Washington. Uh, LSU goes in and beats the defending division champion out of the ACC, Miami. Uh, Alabama comes in. Louisville's not the same without Lamar Jackson, but Alabama just absolutely crushed uh, Louisville. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, which I think might be the most impressive win of the entire weekend for the SEC, uh, handled uh, Texas Tech pretty easily. So if you look across the board, a lot of these teams were playing up. You could really say Ole Miss is playing up uh, against Texas Tech. Definitely Auburn is playing up to Washington. They were higher ranked. LSU clearly playing up uh, to Miami. They were higher ranked. So, uh, you know, several of the teams, uh, eight, eight teams probably paid inferior opponents. But the remaining six teams, they played quality opponents. Uh, and, and all of them, including the teams that played up against their opponents, uh, played really well and beat those, uh, Tennessee being the one exception uh, with their loss to West Virginia. But a great weekend for the SEC, and here's why that matters. When the committee starts getting teams uh, or starts seeding teams and selecting teams for the college football playoff this year, you know the committee caught a lot of flack last year for putting two SEC teams in the playoffs. When the SEC has an opening weekend like this, where Auburn beats the Pac-12 uh, favorite, where LSU handily – uh, handily defeats uh, the second-place team out of the ACC last year. Ole Miss uh, handles a, a, a Big 12 team, and Alabama just crushes another ACC team. It really makes the SEC look good, and it makes it easier for the committee down the road to put maybe an undefeated SEC team and a one-loss SEC team in the CFP again. It really helps the committee out if they think the two best teams in the nation are in the SEC. Uh, the committee will look at this weekend, they'll look back at this weekend, and they'll see how the SEC compared uh, against other big-time uh, conference teams uh, and, and how well they played against them. So, so it matters a lot uh, how well the SEC did this weekend. Of course, there was no head-to-head with the Big 12, uh, although the Big 12 didn't quite have the same day. Ohio State looked great, but Penn State going to overtime against Appalachian State. Michigan State kind of struggling with Utah. Uh, so the Big 12 got their wins, uh, but they didn't have nearly as impressive of a weekend as the SEC did. Yeah, and, and let's talk about the Auburn-Washington game, because I mean, that, without a doubt, was the marquee matchup this weekend, the only matchup with two top ten teams playing each other. You know, there really a lot of two evenly matched teams. I mean, Auburn, you know, it was a quote-unquote neutral site game, but uh, even watching the TV version of it, you could tell that was an Auburn crowd. That was probably 89% there. Uh, for what Auburn did, you know, go in, like I said, it beat a very good Washington team. 
to me, the offensive line was a little shaky at times. They need to kind of clean that up. But defensively, Auburn, that defensive front, I mean, they're going to be in every game. And that was a situation there where Auburn didn't have to score a lot of points, maybe like they've had in the past, because that defensive front is just, they're monsters. Yeah, you know, Auburn looked good this weekend, uh, obviously beating, uh, I think, the sixth-ranked team in the nation. And, and to your point uh, about being in the backfield, they had 14 tackles. 14 of their 54 total tackles were made behind the line of scrimmage, what I call behind the line of scrimmage defensive plays. Here, here's, what, here's what I took away from Auburn. I think they need a little bit more consistency. Their defense was really fast and really strong, and, and it was they were clearly the tougher of the two teams. They looked really good. I think they need a little bit more consistency. Like I said, they made 14 behind-the-line scrimmage plays that either tackle for a loss or a sack, but they also gave up almost 400 total yards. I believe the, the final tally was 398 yards of offense for Washington. And that's a good offense, no doubt about it. But when you have 14 behind-the-line scrimmage plays and you give up 14 or 400 total yards of offense, you, you would like to have a little bit more consistency for your defense there. Uh, also, don't forget that Washington made a couple mistakes. They had a touchdown pulled off the board uh, because of a, just a boneheaded play by the receiver who, who mm-hmm. just hit the, on, the, on the pick play. He, he, he uh, picked the, the defensive back far too early. And then they missed, uh, I think they missed at least one field goal, if not two. So w- Washington made some mistakes as well. So that game was, uh, I think, a little bit closer than the score indicated. If you look at the offense, Again, Auburn had a couple drives stall deep in the red zone. They had to settle for field goal. So, again, I think for Auburn, I think they've got the talent. And this is nothing new for the Gus Malzahn coached Auburn Tigers. They just need consistency. They need to string it through a whole season. Auburn fans have to be frustrated with handing George in the loss they handed him last year and then coming back and playing in the SEC championship game and having it pretty much turned right back on them. So, again, we're seeing that consistency. Auburn's the defense was incredibly fast, incredibly strong, but they did give up 400 yards. UW made some mistakes as well. And then on the offensive side of the ball, like you said, Jared Stidham had a good day, a lot of tough running. Uh, I was impressed. I was impressed with their running backs. That, you know, that was a question mark coming in. Uh, but, but still, they had some stalled drives there in the red zone. So I think the key for Auburn as they move forward is finding some consistency, certainly on the offense, and a little bit more consistency on the defense as well. Yeah, and for some reason, tell Gus Malzahn to quit trying to make Chandler Cox a quarterback and letting him throw the ball. I think this is the third straight year he has tried that at some point would put Chandler Cox in there to throw the ball. I mean, you got a potential first-round draft pick quarterback. Uh, let him throw the ball. Um, LSU, that was a shocker for me. That I, I thought Miami was going to win that one. And the way LSU came out and just – they were the aggressors. I mean, they just flat-out outplayed Miami – and, you know, Joe Burrows, yes, 11-24, that's not a great number, but I really like the way he really controlled the offense, ran the offense, looked a lot better than what we've seen in past years with LSU. So now, you know, talking about Auburn and them and LSU do play in two weeks, so that matchup going moving forward in a few weeks is going to be much bigger than maybe we had thought preseason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think LSU was probably the biggest surprise of the weekend I really there. You know, that was a classic example of LSU just coming in there and punching Miami in the face. I don't think Miami was able to handle uh, the, the toughness. And like you, I think you used a great word, aggression. They were definitely the aggressors. I don't think Miami responded to that well. They couldn't handle the aggression, particularly the LSU defense. Uh, yeah, that you talked about the Auburn defense being fast and strong. Boy, I'll tell you what, I was watching that game, and that LSU defense was incredible. They had 10 of their 62 tackles uh, behind the line of scrimmage, two interceptions. Uh, one of which from their uh, from their linebacker, uh, like you said, Joe Burrow 
maybe didn't have the best game, 11-24, but the key for LSU was no turnovers, no mistakes. Uh, they were able to be efficient on offense. They were able to get a couple big plays. And with a defense playing like their defense played, uh, that's really all they needed. Nick Grosset uh, had a breakout game for him. Uh, he looked great uh, in the backfield there for LSU. Uh, so, again, I, I think kind of I agree with you. I think the Joe Burrow thing was kind of a little bit overhyped. Uh, I think he did well. I think he managed the game. Uh, he avoided any mistakes. But, again, you know, if, if, I think LSU has the talent to make a big upset in the SEC West this year. But if you're going up against Auburn and Mississippi State and Alabama, uh, you're going to need better than 11 out of 24 from your quarterback. Uh, 11 out of 24, 140 yards. You're going to need a quarterback who can produce a little bit more than that if you're going to win uh, two out of those three games against Mississippi State, Auburn, and Alabama. So, again, LSU, a great performance. I, I, I think that's more about the defense uh, than it was about the offense. And to be honest with you, as well as LSU's defense looked, I think that game – Honestly, it was a little bit more about Miami than it was about LSU. They just came out very flat. Uh, Miami fans have to be disappointed. Yeah, if any Georgia fans have watched that, they might have seen something familiar. Because, <laughs> you know, we did see that quite often with Mark Rick's teams. I mean, every year there were nine, ten wins, but you'd have a couple of losses in there that they just don't show up. They look flat like Miami did on Sunday night. Yeah, you, you know, and, and Mark Rick's one of those guys that, that it's hard to critique because he's such a great guy and a really good fundamental coach. But when you look at his resume, uh, you know, the, the big glaring thing on Mark Rick's resume is his ability to win the big games. Uh, he, he just he wasn't able to do it in Georgia. Uh, he, they were a consistent 9-10 win team. Uh, you look at Miami last year, started out strong. I think they've lost their last four games now, last game of the regular season, the ACC championship game, the bowl game, and now this game. You know, all, all four of those are big games. Those are, those are the four mm-hmm. biggest games they've played uh, in the last, uh, you know, eight, uh, 16 games. So, yeah, and that's, again, Mark Rick is a great guy. He's a great leader. You know, he's the kind of guy you want your son, if he's playing college football, to be around. He's, he's a quality human being. But you know, on his resume, on his head football coaching resume, uh, the, the inability to win the big games, just it, it's, it's front and center. Uh, yeah, uh, most definitely. You know, and finally, uh, the, lastly, in the game that closed out Saturday night, Alabama-Louisville game, which, you know, no surprise at what Alabama did. Just I was impressed by Tua. I mean, it just showed that obviously, you know, Nick Saban didn't name him to start the quarterback for this weekend for Arkansas State, but just the way he's able to move the offense, and he's just able <clears> to do things with that team that, you know, Jalen just doesn't do, and you can just see that, I mean, Alabama's tough to beat as it is. And now you got this ability at the quarterback position. I mean, it is hard to see anybody beating Alabama if they're going to be this explosive on offense. You know, it is. I don't know if it's necessarily the explosiveness on offense uh, that just gives Alabama that that, uh, that gorilla in the room feel to it. Although I, I think when you talk about the Alabama quarterback situation, I, I think to a tight real showed on Saturday night that he is the starting quarterback there. I think Jalen Hurts is the quarterback in the SEC. I really do. Unfortunately, I think he's on a team with probably a top one or two quarterback. It's an embarrassment of riches there. Uh, Tua's QBR, you know, depending on how much stock you put into QBR, but it's 99.1. It's kind of hard to get any better than that. Uh, you talk about efficiency, 12 16 for 227. He's not putting up Will Greer, Heisman numbers, 
or you know, you know Hawaii passing numbers, but he's doing exactly what he needs to do in that offense. You know, Jalen Hurts didn't do bad. He was five and nine for seventy yards, I think, on three drives, but he had two drops from his receivers. So just a little bit unfortunate there. So clearly, two is the quarterback there. The thing that you know, the thing that if I'm in, if I'm any of the other six opposing fan bases in the SEC West, the thing that really scares me about Alabama is their consistency. I talked about Auburn eating that consistency. Alabama is the epitome of that consistency. They lost eight defensive guys to the NFL last year, and if you watched the game against Louisville, you, you would have thought that every single guy in that defense was a returning three-year starter. They held Louisville to a 24.3 QBR. Uh, they held Louisville on Louisville had 26 rushing carries and totaled 16 yards. Uh, Phil, you or I could step into a huddle of a decent team and get 16 <laughs> yards of rushing uh, yardage against the mediocre college football team. 16 total yards for the game. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. You know, talking about the consistency, they had two knots, what they call knots, non-offensive touchdowns. Uh, I believe one was on the uh, kickoff return. One, I think, was on the interception, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, interception return. Uh, so that, that consistency there at Alabama is just incredible. Every year they put a team on the field that has a stellar defense and, it, and has a, a chance at the end of the day to win every game. It's incredible. So I remember two or three years ago there was a, a big consensus that Alabama was going over to play Georgia midseason in their, in, their, uh, in their crossover game, alternate crossover game, and everybody thought this was the year that Georgia kind of took the, the reins of the SEC, and Alabama just laid the wood to Georgia mm-hmm. that year. And I think that was really Nick Saban's way of saying, hey, uh, this program ain't going anywhere until I leave. Uh, so until somebody dethrones Alabama, I just, I, it's just hard to see them losing more than a game in any season until somebody proves, until a division or a couple of parts prove they can do it. Clemson's proven that they've got the talent, the ability. I actually have Clemson at number one and Michael Alabama at number two. Um, but there's there's not another team out there that can pair with Clemson to take down Alabama. Uh, and their, their consistency across the board is just incredible. I think you're right with Tua Tagovailoa. I think he adds a dimension to their offense they haven't seen. They've had good, solid quarterbacks in the past. A.J. McCarron, uh, Jalen Hurt, or, yeah, uh, Hurts is, is a good, solid quarterback. Uh, uh, a couple other guys before that. But they've never had uh, a guy who I think is explosive like Tua Tagovailoa. And if you listen to the national guys and the local guys, you know we, we talk with Stephen M. Smith a lot. Um, if you talk to those guys, uh, you know, Tua does this against the Alabama defense every day in practice. Kirk Herbstreit said that about five times during the broadcast. It was incredible. So, you know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think Alabama, I think the SEC West and the SEC is Alabama's to lose yet again this year. They're just a model of consistency for a top-notch program. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. And just, you know, never seen anything like it. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I wasn't around when the Bear was coaching. But, I mean, you just – he did it over a long stretch. I mean, a couple of decades here. I mean, Nick Saban's doing this within 10 years, within a decade, what he's doing. That's what makes it so incredible. Just year in and year out, you're almost saying, okay, let's put Alabama in the national championship. That's how consistent and how great this team is every year. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, if you look at Bear Bryant, uh, how long did he coach at Alabama? He coached Alabama for 30, I'm sorry, 20, 24 years. Uh, Nick Saban's been in Alabama for, I think you're right, I think 10. Uh, you know, so 
Uh, you know, Bear had uh, previous stints at Kentucky and A&M, and I, I think uh, Maryland, I believe, was mm-hmm. the other place he coached at. Uh, so, you know, Saban's at Michigan State and LSU. So Saban did win a national championship at LSU maybe 12, 13 years ago. Uh, you're stretching my memory tonight. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, certainly certainly, the uh, Bear Bryant is the, is the standard bearer to which coaches are measured in college football, particularly at Alabama. Uh, but but if you start stacking up uh, the numbers and the accolades between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, uh, here pretty soon it's it's going to become clear uh, that Alabama and probably college football in general uh, has a new uh, greatest coach of all time. Oh uh, yeah, I mean I wonder ones. I think he is the greatest just because what he's able to do in this era is just uh, amazing. What he has been. Uh, able to do you know you look at week two and we got several interesting matchups i think in the sec and one you know nationally too you got the mississippi state at kansas state you got georgia and south carolina uh clemson and texas a&m of course nationally i think the big game is going to be usc and stanford just coming up week two what jumps out to you which game are you most looking forward to seeing well, I, I think nationally, I think it will be Stanford and USC with the uh, with the loss of uh, with the loss of Washington this week. I think people are going to be kind of looking at the Pac-12. They're going to be asking themselves, uh, you know, is Washington a team out there, or is this Stanford's year? Uh, AJ Costello looked pretty good. Uh, I got to watch that game. Uh, J, uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside was incredible uh, out there on the edge. Uh, so I think USC Stanford. People really don't know what to think about USC right now. They played pretty well against UNLV, uh, but again, that's UNLV, so a little bit inferior competition. I'll tell you, the San Diego State team that Stanford played last weekend is not a bad team. I got to watch them in person last year's Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth. Of course, they're breaking in a new running back, uh, but that's a great rushing team, and Stanford played really well against them. So I think Stanford USC. Is really the game. I'm sorry, KJ Costello. I think I said AJ Costello. KJ Costello. Uh, but uh, I think Stanford USC is the game uh, <clears throat> game of the of the week. Uh, I think Clemson Texas A and M. A lot of people are going to be tuning into that. Clemson didn't get a lot of uh, publicity this week because they played Furman. A uh, and M again played an inferior opponent, but A and M looked pretty good. I, I'm not a big fan of Kellen Mond at quarterback. I one, I just don't like his motion. I think he drops his arm too low, way too low. But A&M was able to put up some numbers. So I think this is going to be Clemson's week to kind of counter the publicity that Alabama got last week. Everybody was talking about, oh, here we go, Alabama. Uh, you know, a, another number one team in Alabama. <clears throat> two is great. Two is great. But, you know, they got two quarterbacks there at Clemson, too. Kelly Brock put up some good numbers, and then Trevor Lawrence came in and just whipped the ball down the field. You're talking about a, a college quarterback that's just got a rifle for an arm. Uh, that guy was just throwing the ball down the field, and it looked like none of the balls got over 10 feet off the ground. So I think I think Clemson-Texas A&M is going to be the second game that everybody watches just to see how good Clemson is. Right now, if you look across the country, I think it's a two-team race, Clemson-Alabama. So in, uh, so that's the two national games. Uh, in the SEC, I, you know, I think South Carolina-Georgia is really a game to really see where South Carolina is. Are they a true contender in the East, or are they back kind of in the middle of the pack with most everybody else. Kentucky, Florida, just because of the, I don't think Kentucky's beat Florida. I think it's like 147 years or something like that at this point. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I think <laughs> Kentucky has, I think Kentucky missed their chance a couple of years ago. I don't see Kentucky threatening Florida. 
Uh, you're talking about Mississippi State, Kansas State. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, Mississippi State goes on the road. Uh, Manhattan, Kansas is never an easy place to go. Uh, if you've ever been there, you know, it's just, there, there's, it's not an easy place to go to and win a game. It's hard to get hyped up there in Manhattan, Kansas. They get the 11 a.m. Central Time start, which is never good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, for travel arrangements. So we're going to see if Mississippi State, you know, I talked a lot about consistency with Auburn and Alabama. We're going to see if Mississippi State is ready to be in that top tier in the SEC West. And, you know, for them to, for them to, what they need to do on Saturday is to go into Kansas State, uh, and, and execute well and get out of there with a solid victory. Kansas State, uh, who did they, they struggled with, uh, they struggled this week with barely escaped, uh, I believe it was South Dakota or South Dakota State. I can't remember if that was Kansas. Uh, Kansas State did not look good last weekend. Uh-uh. So Mississippi State needs to go into Manhattan and make a statement. But here's one under the radar. Uh, you know, I'm going to kind of, in the SEC, I'm going to look at Nevada, Nevada at Vanderbilt. Nevada's got a pretty potent offense. I'm going to see if Vanderbilt can play the role of SEC home team and just kind of not let Nevada have any hope uh, and, and see if and see if Vanderbilt can put that game away uh, before the middle of the third quarter. So that, to me, that's kind of the under-the-radar under game to watch in the SEC, Nevada visiting Vanderbilt on Saturday. Yeah, you know, for me talking about Vanderbilt – I think Kyle Shermer is probably one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the conference because, I mean, I, a lot of it has to do with he plays for Vanderbilt. Just the way he played last season on a 5-7 and seven team, the defense was not good last year at Vanderbilt. I really like the, the game of Kyle Shermer. I think he's one of, one of the more underappreciated, quarter, underappreciated quarterbacks out there. Yeah, but he's frustrating if you're a Vanderbilt fan. If you go back and watch the, uh, the, the Tennessee game last year, he, he looked like Peyton Manning. I mean, he couldn't miss. He hit every receiver – right on the hands, right in stride. He did that with, it was either Georgia or Auburn as well. Uh, I believe it was Georgia. He, he looked he looked like an all-pro uh, quarterback in the NFL. But then you'll get games like last week. He really didn't look very good. Uh, he really didn't look very good against MTSU last week. Uh, you know, he, So, again, I, I hate to keep using this word, but for Kyle Shermer, it's consistency. If you can get him to play like he played against Tennessee or Georgia last year, Vanderbilt would be a seven or eight win team, but when he, you know, so last week against MTSU, he was ten of seventeen for one hundred and seventy yards. Uh, you know, if he, if he if he does that, uh, then Vanderbilt's going to be a five or six win team because they're not going to beat Georgia. They're not going to be competitive against Georgia. Uh, you know, they're not going to beat Florida with that stat line. Uh, they're probably not going to beat Ole Miss. They're they're a permanent crossover with that stat line, and they're going to struggle to beat Kentucky or Tennessee. Probably won't beat South Carolina with that stat line either. Uh, and, you know, is Kyle Shermer the guy that's going to outdo outdo Drew Locke? Not unless his defense steps up and he has a great day. So I, I think with Shermer, you're right. There are days when he shows uh, glimpses of being a, a second or third round draft pick in the NFL, and then there are games where he's just kind of average. Uh, so for him, uh, you're right. Uh, he, he looked like he was amazing against Tennessee last year. I know I watched that game, uh, but but his consistency, he's got to bring it. Every uh, every weekend, he's going to miss uh, he's going to miss uh, Ralph Webb there in the back. He does get Kerry Blasting game back, uh, and he has uh, Jamari Wakefield back there as well. But I don't think those guys uh, kind of get defensive coordinators to game plan against them the way that Ralph Webb did. So that, that's going to hamper Kyle Shermer a little bit. Uh, his mobility, uh, you know, if if they get him out of the pocket, uh, I think he struggles there. But but again, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think he is the most underappreciated quarterback in the SEC, the most underrated quarterback in the SEC. 
but what this being the year of the quarterback in the SEC, uh, Shermer, while he is the most underappreciated, underrated quarterback in the SEC, he still has a little bit ways to go to get up there with the top dogs of the SEC. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting weekend. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been fun talking SEC and college football with you. Uh, always fun talking with you, Mike, about all this good stuff. And uh, where, if people want to listen, follow you online, where can we find you? Get that right in a minute. Where can they find you online? <laughs> yeah, well, it's always great to join you, Philip. I love what you're doing with the podcast there. Check us out, lastfootballcollegefootball.com. Uh, talk about uh, football across the nation. Have several strong SEC writers, including yourself, Philip, covering Auburn. I cover Tennessee and the SEC. And if you want to hit me up online, feel free to uh, Mike L at under. I'm sorry, at Mike L underscore L W O S. Last word on sports at Mike L underscore L W S. There on Twitter, uh, you can find all the stuff. I post my weekly ballots there, uh, all the articles there, everything. Hit, hit, hit me up. Always enjoy. Uh, talking with college football fans there on the Twitter.com machine. All right, sounds good, and uh, it's great to be part of the team, I, and I enjoy everybody else over at uh, Last Word on College Football. And uh, once again, Mike, thanks for joining the show, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road. Absolutely, can't wait.